Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to TenderFit Plus at tenderfitplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Todd McComas, and I hope this Tuesday finds you one step closer to all your dreams coming true. Unless one of those dreams is to become the leader of a mass murder-suicide cult. If that's the case, I hope that one never comes true because the world has enough tragedy. And that's why we're here. So let's dive into today's tragedies in the least tragic way possible with your host, Laura Benson. The life-saving powers of a tablet device. A judge steps down. A pastor sells meth at church. Thieves rack up bad karma. And a high-speed chase and parkour. All this and more coming up on This Day in Crime. I'm Laura Benson, and today is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. This first story tells the tale of a homeowner who clearly thought the book Death of a Salesman was a suggestion. I've talked some smack about technology on the show with my coverage of AI and facial recognition software, but this story is a wild one in which a piece of tech actually saved someone's life, quite literally and physically. A door-to-door salesman in Fort Worth, Texas, was shaken up last Thursday after the owner of a home along his rounds called him the N-word and shot at him. The victim is an employee of Radiant Energy and describes that he's worked for the company for a decade, and this has always been a fear of his. He hasn't disclosed his identity to the media, but the salesman described how the owner of the home, quote, just came out and pointed the barrel at me and then shot me and told me to get away from here, racial slur that I, Laura, am not going to repeat right now. The bullet then hit the tablet the man was carrying and dented it, but fortunately did not hit him. It isn't clear from reporting if the tablet was in the gentleman's pocket, jacket, or hand, but either way, it's pretty incredible. You can see in the news coverage, the glass of the thing is shattered on the front with a bullet hole in it, and a bullet-sized dent is on the metal back. Fortunately, the father of two was at least physically okay. Hopefully, he'll be able to take some time off work to regroup. I'm sure you all want to know, like I do, what kind of tablet this is. Is it Apple or Samsung or a Google Pixel that might save your life? I'm not entirely sure. There were some stickers on the back and I couldn't quite tell. So let me know on our Instagram if you figure this out. It could be a really helpful piece of info as we all start carrying around bulletproof technology. Police said on Monday that the case is still under investigation and officers will be writing a warrant on a charge of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. The Oklahoma judge who was caught texting during a murder trial finally resigned on Friday, months after the chief justice of the state Supreme Court petitioned for her removal. Judge Tracy Soderstrom had only been voted into the position in January of last year. 
Back in the warmer summer months, the Oklahoman newspaper online published a video of Judge Soderstrom looking down at her phone in her lap for multiple minutes during jury selection, opening statements, and the testimony of a trial of a man who was committed of and later convicted of manslaughter of a two-year-old. Not the time to be on your phone. According to the state's chief justice, Soderstrom scrolled around on Facebook and sent over 500 texts to the court bailiff during the trial. Some of the texts included degrading remarks about the prosecutor, some of the testifying police officers, and even accused the victim's mother of lying. You know how everyone is kind of afraid of walking into a room where people have been talking about them? I think this one-ups that fear. Could you imagine being in a court where the people who are paid to be there to bring you justice are making fun of you? Soderstrom was set to face a special trial of her own beginning yesterday. She faced removal from her district court judgeship for gross neglect of duty, gross partiality in office, and other judicial conduct that's prohibited by Oklahoma's constitution. Rather than risk having her colleagues all texting behind her back in the courtroom, Soderstrom issued a resignation letter and an apology on Friday. The good news for her is she'll have plenty of time to text her friends now. Speaking of doing inappropriate things at work. A Connecticut pastor has been accused of selling meth from the church rectory. And yes, I also had to look up what a rectory was. It's the housing provided by the church for the priest to live in. Reverend Herbert Miller, 63, of a United Methodist Church in Woodbury, Connecticut, was taken into custody on Friday after being found in possession of crystal meth. Police said they arrested the pastor at the site of a purported drug deal set up by a cooperating witness who had tipped them off. And upon searching his home, a.k.a. the church, they found additional drugs and paraphernalia. He was charged with possession of narcotics with intent to sell and possession of a controlled substance and paraphernalia. Miller joined Woodbury Church in July of 2023 and previously served as pastor for the first UMC in Shelton and other churches in Connecticut and New York City. Nothing else has been released about how far back his dealings go and whether this is something that he's been doing for a while as a pastor, but I'd be really curious to know. Reverend Miller was released on a $10,000 bail and was ordered to appear in Waterbury Superior Court on February 23rd. We're going to keep things in the theme of church for a bit here. The community at a megachurch in Houston, Texas, is reeling after a shooter opened fire on Sunday. Fortunately, injuries were minimal. The shooter, identified as Janice Yvonne Moreno, has a history of mental illness and brought her seven-year-old son along with her to the attack. I don't think this is what people mean by bring your kid to work. Moreno has a criminal record dating back to 2005, with multiple alias names, allegations of child and spousal abuse, and a well-documented criminal court record and history of mental health issues. With her history, authorities are still working to determine how she was able to purchase the AR-15-style rifle that she used on Sunday back in December. Moreno also had another rifle with her that wasn't discharged. According to witnesses, Moreno entered the Lakewood Church, a massive stadium-style building that was the former home of the NBA's Houston Rockets, before the afternoon service at 2 p.m. With her son in tow, she immediately opened fire in the lobby area and after a short shootout with two off-duty police officers, was fatally shot. Her son, sadly, was also shot in the head and remains in critical condition in the Houston Children's Hospital as authorities sort out the details. Another man in his 50s was shot in the hip, but fortunately, no other injuries were reported. 
The church hosts about 45,000 worshipers every week, so this could have been an extremely tragic situation had Moreno entered the main auditorium. Moreno also claimed to have had a bomb, but authorities found no explosives. Moreno was not a known member of the congregation, and police and FBI investigators are still working to establish a motive, although there is some history between her and the church dating back to her divorce proceedings in 2022. Pastor Joel Osteen, who has been at the helm of the mega-popular megachurch since 1999, has made a number of statements and addressed both his congregation and the media. He's surprisingly calm and keeps a smile on his face while he's talking, which I find a little off-putting, but he is known for being ultra-positive, and his nickname is, after all, the Smiling Pastor. I suppose it's just his way. We'll be right back after I tell you about something that's going to make your life way better. Hey, true crime listeners. I know at least some of us wish we could become a detective and find the clues to the case. But what if you could in a mobile game that you can take with you anywhere? Well, now you can with June's Journey. Each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. June's sister has been murdered. Uncover the mystery and find out about their scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story that takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s and features a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. Sometimes I'll catch myself stuck in a hotel lobby and decide to dive into finding all of the hidden clues in June's journey, going from one scene to the next. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? Follow Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. In the final story brought to you today from Places of Worship, what do you get when you combine three robbers, four monks, and a Buddhist temple in Brooklyn? Really bad karma. At least, I think so. We'll have to see how it plays out. As a woman brought a gun to a church in Houston, three thieves brought guns to a Buddhist temple in Brooklyn. 
Fortunately, no one was injured in this situation, but the thieves did make off with handfuls of cash from donations, as well as a number of personal items belonging to the monks. Come on guys, stealing from monks? Their brand is that they live on donations. They're not wealthy by association. This investigation remains ongoing and is part of a bigger crime surge in the area. The three thieves fled on foot from the scene and no suspects have yet been named. Authorities haven't released how much was stolen, but the monks shared with practitioners that the men took off with a donation box and a few cell phones. This particular Buddhist temple mostly serves the Cambodian community in New York and New Jersey and has been at this location since 1987. All right, now for something completely different. Here are a few stories from the weekend of folks living their childhood memories through crime. First up, a Florida couple was arrested for attempted armed robbery on Sunday after the pair attempted to rob a Lowe's store in matching Cookie Monster pajamas. The headline here is kind of most of the story. It's just kind of ridiculous and a little adorable. According to the Cape Coral PD, Charlie Perez, 22, and Helena Sepulveda, 19, tried to leave a Lowe's hardware store with a bunch of unpaid-for items wearing matching red and blue Cookie Monster PJs. When the store's loss prevention team approached the couple, Perez flashed a handgun tucked into the waist of his PJs, made threats, and left. Such a big, scary thief in those pants. The couple evaded authorities on Sunday, but were caught on Monday. Both faced charges, but it hasn't been released what they were stealing or the full extent of those charges. Well, I told you that one was quick. Here's another quickie that equally involves childhood wonder. Officers in Vallejo, California, were taken on a wild 11-mile chase on Friday after a thief on parole stole $900 worth of Lego sets. Yep, Lego. Lego my Legos. During the chase, the suspected thief jumped out of the getaway vehicle at 50 miles per hour, and he survived. This is the main reason I wanted to share this story. It turns out you can jump out of a Honda Sonata at 50 miles per hour and be okay. Police found the man who admitted in custody to stealing the Lego sets after a local residence called them that somebody was hiding in their backyard trash. So he not only survived the car escape, he was able to run, scale a fence, and hide himself. He must be a parkour guy. The driver of the vehicle was also arrested after he lost control of the car and crashed it into a retaining wall. He was treated at the hospital for minor injuries. Both men have previous auto theft-related charges and currently are awaiting new charges in custody. A very stoked-looking police officer posed over the hood of the car after collecting the Lego sets on this chase, and it's just pretty adorable. In another speedy, freeway-related story, the Texas YouTuber who made news after recording himself going more than 150 miles an hour on a motorcycle in Colorado was finally arrested last week in his home state, and an extradition process is underway. Brendan Deitzman, 32, may be in trouble with the law, but oh, the publicity he has gained through so many major news outlets across the country. Colorado authorities have been seeking Deitzman since September of last year, when he filmed a video of himself raging through a highway on his motorcycle and posted it to YouTube. The YouTuber flew down Interstate 25 between Colorado Springs and the Denver metro area in 20 minutes, when the drive usually takes an hour. He has been wanted by Colorado authorities on charges of menacing, engaging in a speed contest, reckless endangerment, reckless driving, speeding 40 miles per hour over the limit, engaging in an exhibition of speed, and driving without license plates attached. That is quite the list to rack up over a video. 
Once Deitzman is extradited to Colorado, the real charges will be able to begin, and I'm sure that he will document the entire process. That's all I have for you today. Thanks for tuning in to This Day in Crime, and stay safe out there, obey traffic laws, and just don't bring guns to church. Be well, everybody, and stay tuned for tomorrow when Eric Quintana will bring you a special Valentine's Day edit of This Day in Crime. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey, produced in association with Burning Mountain Productions. Sources for today's episode and full credits can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. We're back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening.